Hey everybody, welcome to church. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity, and we're thankful to have you with us wherever it is you're coming from or watching, whether you're alone or in a group, we're just honored to be able to share this space together. Before I get into the message today, I just want to make a couple of mentions. Number one, this week we recorded a COVID update um, where I interviewed one of our doctors who serve on our medical advisory team. And so if you follow our podcast at atltrinity.org, uh, give it a listen. It was a productive conversation with John Hunley. And if you don't subscribe, you can find us wherever you access podcast content. Next to that, I would just say this, if you are worshiping with us from either outside Atlanta or simply maybe you're in Atlanta but just checking us out, we just want to say everything's taken care of. We are so thankful to have you here. While we depend on those who are connected to this church to continue serving and supporting our mission through tithes and offerings, uh, those of you who are further out or just, you know, listening in for the first time, we just want to say Everything's taken care of, and we're thankful to have you with us. Uh, we're, it's an honor, actually, to share this space with you. Uh, for those of you who call Trinity Home, thank you for continuing to support our mission through gifts. You can visit our website in order to give tithe and offering. For the rest of you who are receiving communion or want to but are not coming to our in-person services, I just want to remind you that during the week, all week during business hours, we have communion kits available here for you to pick up to uh, share communion on Sunday with your groups or on your own. So come by and pick up a communion kit. We'd love to be able to serve you and empower you to receive communion. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the first chapter of Mark beginning in verse 29. I'm going to read and then we'll pray. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went outside to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's searching for you. And he answered, let us go to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and then let's jump in and see what we can see. Father, we ask you today for grace to be still as we listen to the word and think about and pray about the word of God. I pray that you would cause truth and maybe today more specifically, that you would cause the rhythms of Jesus to be impressed upon us and that we would pattern our life after his life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there's a lot that can be said about a passage like this. But today what I want to focus on are three movements in Jesus' life, his rhythm. And we can see in this passage, I think, a pattern of life in Jesus. And I think we would do well to actually pattern our own life after him. So here's the first thing. When Jesus is at the home of Simon Peter, he is in intimate space. He's with friends. He's not in a place that's public. There is no spotlight. There are no reporters. There are no eager congregants. These are his closest friends and their family members. And I think it's actually really important for us to recognize that Jesus here is giving us a glimpse into who he is when there are no crowds. 
And maybe some of you have never even thought about this before. You've never thought, what was Jesus like with his friends? Well, here what we see in this passage is that when he is with his friends, he's still attentive to human need. Not the need of the crowd, but the need of people whom he loves. And so in this instance, Peter's mother-in-law, a family member, is sick. And Jesus, in a moment of private, intimate connection with his friends, goes to her and restores her. He heals her. And then she begins to serve her closest family and friends. And one of the things that I love here is that God is always attentive, even in the emotional, intimate spaces. God's not just attentive when the multitudes are there or when sermons were being preached, but he's actually attentive to human need. And I think there's something for us to see, not only in the heart of Jesus, but there's something for us to see in our own pattern of the way we need to live our lives. When we're with friends, are we attentive? Are we present like Jesus was? What we see in this healing of Peter's mother-in-law is that Jesus essentially says that when I heal, then your engaging in service to your closest friends is going to be a kind of first fruits of that. Notice Peter's mother-in-law doesn't run out of the house and begin to serve the whole community. She actually serves her closest family and friends. And so when the Lord works healing in your life or mine, one of the first fruits, if you will, is going to be an ability to connect with the people closest to us in real and meaningful ways. That's exactly what Peter's mother-in-law does. The second thing I think we see here that's really important for us to sit with is that after Jesus engages his friends and family in intimate space, he then moves to public space. He begins to meet needs. And so the text actually says that the entire town gathers around the doorstep. And so I want you to imagine what this would have been like. Jesus is inside the house with people he loves, people who know him, people who spend unguarded time with him. And because he's working there, those people go and find their friends and they bring their friends to the doorstep. I've oftentimes thought like how in the world did the whole town gather at the door? Was it some sort of like magical beacon coming out from the house? And that's not what happens here. Peter and James and John As the social time is winding down, they go out into their community and they find their friends and they bring their friends to Jesus because they see that he's working. And there's a flow here, a movement. Jesus moves from intimate space where he's in safe friendship relationships to need meeting space, to public space, to service space. And one of the things I love here is that friends find friends and bring them to Jesus And I think that pattern that we see in the gospel is the pattern that we need to be actually engaging in our own life with God and with our own friendships. A number of years ago when I was doing a doctoral research, completing my doctoral degree, um, we interviewed our church relative to some values that we thought needed to be present in our church. And one of those was evangelism. And evangelism just means to share the good news. Uh, Evangelism shouldn't be weird. Uh, It shouldn't be forced. It should just be good news. That's what that word means in the Greek language, evangel, good news. And when we asked you as our church to rate us on evangelism relative to other values like spiritual formation and teaching and preaching and the sacraments, evangelism was by far the lowest rated value in our church. And we knew in that moment that if friends are inviting friends to see Jesus in the Bible and that's not happening here, that we needed to put that before the Lord and ask for help. 
And I'm so thankful that the Lord moved the needle in that respect. Just before the pandemic started, we had almost 400 people at the Monday Night Garage doing an Alpha course with a hundred of those people saying they're not yet Christian, but willing to come with friends and listen to people like me and Ashley talk about Jesus. Y'all, the Lord is doing something here. Evangelism isn't a program. It's a heartbeat where Peter and James and John just said, like, God's doing something. I, I want to invite people I love into that space to find out. So what we see is that Jesus actually turns toward the needs. He's not afraid of the needs. He doesn't just want to hang out with his friends. He moves from friends to need meeting. And we're told that sick people and demonized people are healed by Jesus. And some of us immediately are distracted. We think, well, what in the world? Demonized people? What do I do with that? And that's so distracting for some of us that we miss the whole power of this text. I think the overarching thing we need to see here is that Jesus eagerly addresses things that hinder and hurt people. Now, I do believe that many of us have discounted the reality of the demonic because we, we think that's primitive or superstitious. And I would just say to you that Christians throughout the ages have believed that we have an advocate in God and we have an enemy in the devil. And we would be foolish to believe that we're not being opposed and resisted. I would submit that you don't have to become paranoid or superstitious to believe that. I think it's actually the best way to understand some of the really dark things that happen in us and around us as individuals in society. But the thing we need to think about, I think most emphatically in this passage, is that whether you are sick or whether you are afflicted, that Jesus moves toward the things and wants to engage the things that hurt us. So he heals all night. He serves all night into the evening, meeting need after need after need after need. But that's not the end of the story. See, to listen to activistic Christians, you would think, well, the end of the story is just to empty yourself in service. But the third thing we see in this passage is that after being with his friends in an intimate space and being with the town in public space, the third thing Jesus does is he gets up early in the morning and he climbs a mountain and he goes and he spends time alone with God. So do you see the flow, friendship, public service, and solitude? See, there's a pattern to Jesus' life. He gets up and he prays alone. And y'all, this is not the only instance where Jesus is said to have slipped away in the early hours of the morning to be by himself to be with God. He did it over and over and over again because Jesus understood the flow of life. We can't always just be with friends. We can't always just serve we have to be with God as well. See, our time with God energizes our friendships and our service. And I believe that what we see in Jesus here is his awareness of his need to be with God, to recharge and recalibrate and reorient. You and me, we have the same exact need. We need to follow Jesus in this respect. And we don't know exactly what he does on that mountain. We're told he prays. But I think the result of that praying was a kind of refreshed energy and commitment from Jesus to go out back from that solitude place and be with friends and serve the community. And I think the same is true for you and me. The Lord wants us to be intentional. He wants us to be quiet. But here's the challenge. We're told in the text that Peter and the boys hunt for Jesus. Like the word actually is a, a really aggressive word. Uh, Jesus is out there by himself. And while he's out there, Peter and the disciples, people who love Jesus, they're hunting for him. And it's a word used um, to mean kind of something invasive. They're pressing into his solitude. 
And when they find him, they say, everybody's looking for you. Like, what are you doing? And I think that for many of us, we need to recognize that there will always be obstacles and resistance to solitude. There's always going to be something or someone hunting for you to pull you out of that place of being alone and recalibrated and seeing things as they are. But Jesus is undeterred. He spends his time with God. So I think as we think about our own lives, many of us probably struggle to be quiet and to be alone. I've had to carve out real time and real places. I get up in the morning before my house gets going and I sit on my couch and I read my Bible and I pray every morning. It's a time with God to be alone. It's my own slipping away into the wilderness. I also go and walk in the woods on a regular basis on the Proctor Creek Trail or the Westside Beltline to be outside and to be with God, to be in that space of being recalibrated. You and me need to create thin places, committed places that become holy places. Jesus did it. And I think he would invite you and me to do the same. And we have to be willing to push back against the things that are pulling us out of time with God. Maybe it's your calendar. Maybe it's need. Maybe it's anxiety. We all have our things hunting for us. Here's where I want to leave it today. I believe the Lord wants you to look at the life flow of Jesus and then consider how that life flow would match your own. So here's the question maybe for us to consider. As you consider the flow of Jesus' life, intimate space, need meeting, time alone with God, are there areas where God's inviting you to specifically grow and focus on investing in? I believe that for many of us, there's an invitation here, and it's time for us to answer that call. Before we finish today, we're going to pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And so I hope you'll join us wherever it is that you find yourself today. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you when we see you. Amen.